0: Can I use that stand and the Mm -hmm. clicker? I just want to. I'm going to make it short, though, so I can. uh, There we go. Good. That's just going to hold my Bible so I can walk a little bit more. So yeah, it's been it's been quite a week. Um, We had uh, our daughter and son move back to Michigan. Daughter and son-in-law, but son moved back to Michigan. Uh, Drew and Rachel are here this morning, and yeah, all right, you got the same greeting I got last week, all right, I love it, good to hear that enthusiasm. I wanted to stand down here this week, I thought it would be a little bit uh, easier for me. Also, uh, well, before I leave the Drew and Rachel story, I just want to uh, let you know that um, you have a meet and greet scheduled for after Labor Day, but they're here today. You don't have to wait that long. You can meet them and greet them now. Obviously, they want to get to know you. Uh, as a person who goes from church to church, meeting people constantly, I uh, just want to let you know as a congregation that they're going to be trying to learn about 150 names, and you're learning five, okay? So be patient with them on your names and different things like that, but I'm sure that once you get to know them, uh, you'll love their heart, their, their heart for the community that they live in uh, down in West Virginia. They were pouring themselves out for uh, some of the helpless and needy down there as well as serving in the church where they were. And I think that you're going to really enjoy what they bring to the table. And uh, I think that they're a quality young Obviously, I think that. I'm their, their father. But uh, I think you're going to agree with me over time on that one as well. Uh, I had you praying for me, Uh, had a biopsy this week, and uh, that all went as planned, Uh, had discomfort that was predicted, nothing more, nothing less, Uh, had, um, you know, uh, the grand time of the experience, just like, you know, uh, you would expect, Uh, and in uh, lightning speed, so Friday I got the call that uh, there is cancer in my prostate, and um, we're going to be heading forward into some sort of uh, remediation of that, probably is what I'm leaning towards. We're still talking to doctors and getting schedules and stuff like that. So you can pray for that. I uh, want to say off the, off the top right here, too, that okay, um, uh, it, you know, I mean, something like that kind of knocks your breath out a little bit when you first get that news been practicing saying the word cancer I can say it I have cancer um, it's okay uh, it's a medium level and that there's a good uh, probability of a good outcome and uh, so we' are trusting as a family we're just trusting uh, everything that God gives us and that he's going to glorify himself through this in some way and that you know we're going to come through this and and uh, and we're gonna- Drive. That's where we are with that. You can continue to... Also, I think I had, I mentioned Reverb last week, that we were uh, working on Reverb, and we're having trouble getting that together. We signed up a venue, one venue this week, uh, got that done. That was exciting to us. We have a, um, uh, a meeting with some key people at another venue that we're trying to get on board on Tuesday, and then we've got a... Um, a call coming from another one that we're trying for so please continue to pray for reverb that's our big event evangelist event for teenagers uh, in the fall and so uh we i mean we desperately we missed it last year because of covid we just really it would be a great thing if uh, if if god would permit us to do that again to to have one this year and to have one in grand style and so, Uh, We're working hard to try and make that happen, so uh, you can just uh, pray for that, and uh, be uh, happy about that. Let me pray, and then we'll get started. I think the message today will build on what we talked about last week, but uh, we'll see if you connect connected or not. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of today. We thank you for your word that we can count on, and that we can live by, Lord, and that uh, gives us a a direction to go in. We're going to talk about that today, Lord. What direction do you have for us, and what are we supposed to be doing, Lord? We pray that you would bring these principles into our lives in a way that we could really, you know, metabolize them into our lifestyle and and have them as a as a lifestyle rather than just something an an ideal or something like that. And so, Lord, we just give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, here, um, did I push the wrong button? I forgot to turn it on. This is, there we go. That's my constant problem. I always forget to turn it on. I do this every week, don't I? Yes. Okay, so there's a picture of our family. Some of them are here. Some of the kids are in or Junior Church. Uh, some of the kids are not here. Uh, we, we would love to tell you more see us in the lobby and tell you about all those uh, children and grandchildren that we have. We have six now, uh, and so that's great. Now, uh, being with Word of Life, I just want to sort of give you an overview of sort of our mindset as a ministry and as missionaries with Word of Life. We really work with two goals in mind. Uh, being we're focused on youth ministry, youth and children's ministry. We uh, every student to hear the gospel from a student somewhere. And then when I'm speaking to a group like this, I expand that out to say, well, I want every mom to hear the gospel. I'm hoping every worker hears a factory worker somewhere, and so on and so forth. So whatever, uh, whatever you are, every retired person to hear the gospel from a that's what our mission is. Uh, and then we, we uh, talk about every student being in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So... Evangelism and discipleship represented in our goals, right there, uh, and so we want every mom, every retired person, every factory worker. Uh, we're we're praying and hoping that every one of them is in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And at some level, we work with all these people, even though we're focused on teens and children. We're working with youth leaders. We're working with young adults, uh, and you know we need people to staff different events and things like that. So we're working with all different kinds of people, and uh, so. When we talk about this, we're going from a situation where we were pretty well locked up for a while uh, to a situation now where we're about able to roam about the country again. And we want to come a purpose. And so that's that goal has been through the whole thing, and that's kind of our purpose. We've had some pandemic interference. Youth groups have been closed or interrupted. Schools have been closed and interrupted. We walk around in fear. Some floating social expectation that we don't know. Uh, during the height of the pandemic, Fran and I would go to a place like a church or something where our speaking schedule would lead us, and we would say, "Well, we got about 15 seconds to decide what is the COVID culture in this place, and then adapt to it." Sometimes putting a mask on would offend them. Sometimes taking a mask off would offend them. Uh, sometimes just being, you know, close to one another uh, would offend them, and so. We just had all kinds of different interferences, things that would interfere with our ability to uh, share the message of Christ, to, um, to disciple, uh, all those things were hindered. And so we come to the realization, and I'm, I'm sure as well, that uh, that we're breaking the social fabric of our society with this pandemic, that things just aren't the same, and a lot don't believe that, you know, it'll ever be the same as it was before. Uh, even now that we're a little bit more free, we still have uh, some different things. You know, I was in a bank yesterday and inside the bank was a person with a mask on. Before the pandemic, I don't know if that would have even been allowed with the security cameras and different things in place. You know, uh, I mean, old. You know, who came on? It was the guys that were going to rob the place, right? But now it was just, it was totally acceptable. And of course it was fine. Uh, The lady didn't rob anything. Uh, She was just wearing her mask. Um, So it causes us to live in a fundamentally different way. I I think we can agree on that. So nothing is normal. Sports were on again and off again. Delta variant's coming soon. We don't know what that's going to do. Some places are having, you know, big reactions to that. So far, not too bad here. Uh, Different opportunities Uh, coming along with different restrictions, and so uh, just a rapidly changing landscape that we're in. According to the CDC, it's not that that I'm a follower of the CDC, but it's somebody that I can quote and something that I can throw on a screen. A lot of experts are saying it's actually higher than that. Thoughts of suicide have doubled or tripled, and more than that as well. It's just that uh, easy one to quote, so that's the one that I put up. Uh, people have nothing substantial but we found out. When, when we were in the pandemic and when we were all kind of locked in our house and we couldn't really go to work and we were just sort of milling around our houses and stuff like that, people found out that without all their, without, without all their clubs that they're in, that they had nothing substantial to do and nobody to do it with, <clears throat> they found out that life in isolation was very dissatisfying. So in short, I would say, my interpretation of that is, that the God-shaped hole that's in their heart, that we talk about from time to time, was empty, and all the stuff that they normally would be cramming in there to fill that void was now taken away, and they were realizing how empty they were. Uh, As Fran and I traveled around, uh, and and saw the pandemic go, and then uh, start to ease up, and we... Seeing churches, and a lot of churches are saying, you know, they're seeing a lot of new people come into the church after the pandemic has eased up, and it's I think attributable to the fact that people are thinking about mortality more and more. I think that they're um, they're they realize that their isolation is real and that they're really just kind of stuffing it full of superficial things, and they're looking for something that's real and solid. So that's really where we're going to go today. Is what is real and solid thing. Uh, so I just talked about that slide without uh, going to it. So <clears throat> we have the realization that there's a war going on, and we're familiar with spiritual warfare, right? There's a war going on of our ideal state, in our country, and in our world, and perhaps the war is most visible or has been made more visible by the pandemic. I think that actually we We should have realized this stuff before. Maybe there's some way that we can move forward now because of this realization, knowing that people have this, that they're realizing mortality more and more, and that we have an opportunity now to share Christ or, or to disciple people or to, put our best foot forward and make a difference in somebody else's life uh, through our faith. The map there. That up there because um, it's it's where our churches are all kind of in that little diameter with the one way outlier in the in the up. Uh, that's the area that Fran and I are traveling all the time. Uh, it's just more for your entertainment than anything else, but it does show you know it's in our country, in our world, in our state. So that's why it's there. Um, and so I'm going to talk about this in the um, in the arena. This is a GPS. Okay, theology. Over- Is it? Okay. I can do that. All right, so is this? How about now? We good? All right, good. So, uh, theology over philosophy, we're going to talk about this from a road map. Versus a GPS perspective, so with a road map, the old road maps the paper road maps, uh, you had to know where you were and you had to have the correct map. For example, we live on Cedar Street in Schoolcraft, but you have a Cedar Street here, right If I had a map of allegan i wouldn 't be able to find my house on there, but if I have a map of schoolcraft, I will be able to. And if I have a map of Michigan and I want to go some other place in Michigan, then I have to know where I'm going, where that's located on the map, and then I'll have to find a pathway through there. With the GPS, the GPS locates you and your destination, and it gives you a pathway. Now, um, I'm aware that we all have GPS stories of how it took us down some rabbit hole somewhere and didn't work and all that, but in, it, the way it's supposed to work is it's supposed to locate you it's supposed to know where you're going when you put the address in, and it's supposed to give you a, a way to get there. And so um, we're going to use uh, the GPS as, uh, as a God positioning system the, the, uh, for theology, and we're going to use the, um, the roadmap as, uh, you know, as the world system. So the global positioning system uses satellites to guide us. God's positioning system uses God's Word to guide us, and so... Uh, here we go. So philosophy as a roadmap, because philosophy never knows where you are, or it never knows where we're going, philosophy can never be the leader. Um, I mean, if you want some kind of good entertainment, go on YouTube and just look at some of the weird things that people put out there for philosophy. They prove that they don't exist while they're, sti- while they're there on camera. They prove all kinds of things while they're there on camera that you know isn't true because you know uh, you have a real view of the world, you know. The world's not flat. Um, We we pretty much can prove that, right? But they can also prove it through philosophy on on YouTube somehow, right? The world wants us to focus on a philosophy. Uh, They say things like, you know, like the word woke. Where did that come from? You know, like I awoke one day and went to work. But now that means something different. Um, you know, follow the science. Well, you know, that is, has a new meaning today than it did back when I was in school. Uh, and different things like that. So philosophy kind of changes and floats around. You might not have the right road map. You might not have the right destination. You might not really know where you are, but you're still trying to prove something. Okay theology we're going to represent that as the gps the answer lies in the very beginning because god's word knows where we are where we started out it knows where we're going and it knows how to get there Uh, so why are we here what do we do the answer again is in the very beginning we're going to go to genesis chapter one and we're going to look at a couple of verses there and draw some things from that now Here's a slide that I like to use. Uh, I put this in many of my presentations. That's why the background's different, but uh, this is a, a slide that I like to use because the whole gospel's right there. It's just really simple. Creation, corruption, covering, and cross. So in the beginning, God made everything, and he said what? He said it was very good, right? But then sin entered the world, and through that, man started to hide Right? Sin causes us shame, and and we want to hide that. Uh, Man and woman began to cover themselves with fig leaves, and then then God slaughtered an animal and made them coverings. And then, also, we see in Scripture there, in, in the first part of the Bible there, in Genesis, that when God came walking through in the cool of the day, that they hid from Him. And, I mean, I want to think that if God comes walking by, in the cool of the day, and I know that it's him that I wouldn't hide from him. But you know what? I'm a sinner, and sin causes you to hide, and so, um, so that's what. But God knew there was a problem. Jesus paid for our sin. There is grace. There is grace for salvation, and there is grace, sustaining grace, for us day to day. And so, um, just a, a quick, uh, quick illustration of that that just really happened in my life this week. You know, I've been saved for a long time, since I was about 10 years old. But the sustaining grace of God that leads me through day by day by day has really uh, been made evident to me in this diagnosis of cancer uh, where I realize that, you know, I'm, it's in God's control. Uh, I can just do the things that I can do. And God expects me to do those things, to be reasonable and to go forward and to go through this and learn my lessons Uh, learn whatever he's, not my lessons, but learn whatever he's trying to teach me through this, and to be a witness through this for other people. And that is the sustaining grace, the strength to do that is the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ in my daily walk that leads me through when times are tough. And so I did practice how to say I have cancer. It was hard in the beginning, and now I can say it. Uh, It's probably hard for my wife and my daughter to listen to, but they're going to have to get used to it, right? Sustaining grace of, uh, of Christ in our lives. And so, uh, as a saved person, we want to go ahead and use that grace. But here, now back on subject, we're going to read uh, chapter 1, verse 26. Now, I couldn't fit the whole verse on the slide there, so I'm going to read it right here from the Bible. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over all the earth, and everything that's on the earth. God gave us a purpose, and God gave us a goal, a job. Uh, There was a theological philosophy and purpose for mankind And it was before God even created us. It says in the next verse that he began that he created us. We don't have to create a philosophy or a purpose for our existence here. In fact, we don't have the luxury of creating a purpose or a philosophy for our existence here on earth. God has already said what that is, and it's right there in the book of Genesis. So our theological philosophy... Uh, serving as God's representatives here on earth in his image and likeness. That's what we're here to do. Our theological purpose is to exercise dominion, to, to bring order out of the chaos. And think about when God made the earth in the first place, the first six days. He made the earth and it was without form and void, and then he started to organize it. And through the six days he created everything, but he also organized it. Everything was after its own kind. The waters were separated from the, from the land. The air was separated, uh, you know, and uh, fish and birds and everything, you know. We, it would take us a long time to go through all that, but uh, sum it up, he organized it as he created it. And now we're supposed to continue in that organization. And then, and then as I said, he, he proclaimed that before he even made us. Verse 27 says, "...so God created man in his own image." In the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And of course, if we go to chapter 2, we can see that he formed man out of the dust of the earth, that he breathed into man's nostrils a living soul, living uh, breath of life, and that man then was created in his image. Then woman was created from man, and since then, every man that was ever cre- has ever been procreated was procreated through a woman. Okay, so we are, we are tied together. We are linked. We are the same, actually. Uh, statistically, we're 99.98% the same in our DNA, if you can believe that. With all the differences you see in this room and in this world, uh, it's statistically true that we're 99.98% the same. God created and designed our soul to be like his. We're created with a soul that would chase after him. A soul that could emulate him. We can love. We can't love perfectly like God loves, but we can love. We can be just to a point, right? Not perfectly like God can, but we can create some justice. God has given us uh, ability to rule our world, and um, we've set up governments and different things. That's all been given to us from from God's word, and we can create some sort of justice. It's not perfect justice like God's, but The point is that our soul can follow after him, we can emulate him, we can can, uh, uh, follow after his attributes and show his glory through what we do and how we handle things. And then in verse 28, it says, again, the whole verse isn't there, but I'll read it to you, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, conquer it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and every, other, every living thing that moves upon the earth. And there we have that command again as well, to, to bring order out of the chaos, to manage the earth, uh, to be a part of what's going on. And so um, the Bible in Bible times, an image and likeness was represented uh, maybe by a statue. So a victorious king would conquer a land. And then uh, they would leave the statue of the king there to remind the people who was ruling. And when a, when a king would come and conquer a land, uh, and, and there were statues of the old king there, the one that he just beat in the war, that statue would be taken down and destroyed. And the statue of the new king, the king that was victorious, would be put up there so that the people would know who they were representing. The people would know, uh, you know where their taxes went and... And what was going on? What was their cultural norm at the time? Uh, so it was to remind you what was going on around you. In today's terms, maybe we represent that a little better with a flag. Every country seems to have a flag. Um, you know, uh, we just had the Olympics, so if somebody won, won a medal, they run that flag up the pole and play their national anthem. It was a way to identify them back to their country. Uh, flags help us convey uh, what we stand for, just like statues of old um, certainly, uh, you know, I think a lot of us can identify with that. Uh, believers are the statues that God left in the land back in creation. Believers, people, were left in the land to remind the population who they belonged to. It was theology that was guiding their philosophy. Theology guiding their philosophy. Not some errant thing. But theology that said what the philosophy was going to be. Uh, Mark sixteen, fifteen, and he said, Go, go unto them, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. The authority of the Maker, whose image and likeness we represent, represent him to the people. We are God's walking, talking statues. Apart from God, we cannot be eternally fruitful in all ways. Being a godly influence in this world, we can't do that apart from God. Our theology has to influence, has to guide, has to propel our philosophy. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I would have uh, probably would have had, without theology, I would have had the philosophy of a baseball player. And everything would have been toward baseball. And all of you, you know, if I was the king, you would all have to learn how to throw a curveball. And um, you would all have to, you know, put on the catcher's gear and take your turn behind the plate and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so that's really far out there, but you get what I mean, all right? Our theology has to influence our philosophy. Uh, Apart from God, we cannot exercise dominion or rule or manage the earth with Godly qualities on display. I suppose man can rule over the earth. In fact, a lot of them are without godliness in them, but they're not doing it with God's qualities on display. They're doing it in a more ruthless way, in a, in a godless way, in a, um, a way that oppresses people and different things like that. It's not edifying at all. Uh, <clears throat> and so, you know, apart from God, what, what can we expect? No king except our God could make statues like his statues. We're made in his image and likeness. And before the fall, we were perfect. After the fall, we're sinful, but we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is perfect and who died for our sins to restore us back to that statue like he wants us to be. We're animated, our soul can follow and emulate his, and we can glorify God. Now, who could make a statue like that, except for God? Nobody can. We can glorify God, and glorify God means bringing weight to, uh, or to uh, weight to, or to use ability to emphasize a quality. Like I'm going to use an example from, uh, you know, speeding around town. So there's a picture, and maybe Rachel can recognize that we're on vacation. And uh, my wife has heard this illustration before, so um, I'm going to use Rachel instead this time. So we're going through Allegan <clears throat> about, you know, what, 45 miles an hour. And Rachel says, Dad, you're going a little bit fast, and the speed limit's only 25. Maybe you should slow down. Well, Rachel's important to me. She has, she carries some weight. I care what she thinks about me, Right? So probably, you know, in that instance, I would slow down maybe to 35 or something like that, okay? Uh, I maybe wouldn't go all the way down to 25, but, you know, I kind of split the difference because I have a will, I'm gonna, I want to go a little faster, and she wants me to slow down, so I'd kind of, she carries some weight there, okay? But who carries more weight? Well, look at the next picture. What about your Allegan police? Do you have a sheriff or do you have police here? Do you have a police force? Okay, so the Allegan Police Department stops me and says, "Uh, Yeah, Mr. Van Bruggen, uh, we noticed that you're going a little bit fast through this slow area here, this 25 area. Um, We're going to have to write you a ticket. Uh, Maybe, you know, like some people say, sometimes they get out of tickets, but I never have. I haven't had the opportunity to get out of a ticket in a long time because I've been watching it for a long time. But, uh, you know... They would carry a little more weight, wouldn't they? Because now it's going to cost me money. Okay, but who carries even more weight? Well, look, there's the judge. Okay, and that even gets more expensive. So, to glorify something means to carry your weight into a situation. And where does your weight come from? It comes from your ability to um, not only um, know what to do and what to do, that you live that way, or that you have some authority in that in that direction and so as believers we have the authority of God's word behind us and we have a lifestyle that we can live and we talked about this last week that we can live that we can do certain disciplines to help us in our godliness and help us uh, walk with God closer more closely uh, and we can carry more weight into the situation so that when somebody needs help and they need somebody to talk to and they think of you because you're the one that's solid and grounded in the faith, uh, they come to you and they lay their problems out to you and you help them through using God's word, uh, that is carrying some weight into a situation. That is um, being grounded and and glorifying God by using what you've done in your life and the credibility that you've built up in the life of another person. So humans are to live life as God's images. Not just Christians. Uh, all humans are supposed to. Sin came. We've fallen. A lot of people are far away from God. A lot of people don't even believe God. Uh, but we are all supposed to be living life as God's images. Uh, in a godly likeness. Carrying the weight uh, of God, uh, God's word to glorify God. And in the power of God. Uh, and so, Genesis 1.28 again says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the earth. That's what God wants from us. If we're not walking with Christ, if we're not walking in a way that gives us credibility to our neighbors, to our community, to the people that see us in the store, and the people that we work with, and the people in our schools, if we're not walking in that way, then we don't have that credibility. We don't have that weight. We can't bring that glory to God because we didn't, we're not living the right way. And so being created by God and animated and able reminders of His glory is kind of a big deal. Uh, the theological purpose for, um, for working on earth for Him. Uh, it's really a mission. To represent God in our communities. Okay, go. There we go. So being fruitful in all ways. Leading according to God's character, to subdue and be tamed by God's goodness, God's weighty and animated statues. And I'm going to sh- just share a couple of stories here, quick stories with you of people that I know. There's probably people close by Allegan that I don't know that are uh, doing similar things. I would expect that um, you know, people are, are, are going to be doing this around here uh, very soon, but there's a guy um, with the uh, Michigan coat on. His name is Andy. Uh, he's a youth pastor at a church down by the state line. And uh, he spends his day off substitute teaching. Now, why would Andy do that? Well, the church is paying him. He's, he's fine there. Why would he do that? So he could, he could meet more teenagers. And guess what? He substitute teaches in the junior high and the senior high. And some of those kids end up coming to his youth group. Because he goes there and he gives that example. Uh, Right next to him is a guy named Randy. You can just see his head there on the other side. Uh, Every Wednesday, he gets up early, really early, travels down to the public school, and they have a meeting with some kids at the school. They call it Breakfast Club. And um, they go there and they share the gospel. They talk about God's Word and make applications into their lives. Uh, I think they're even doing memory verses there. Uh, in the classroom, before school starts, in the morning, and uh, why, would it, why would he do that? Because he wants to reach more kids than the ones that just come to his church. And guess what? Some of those kids are coming to his youth group, and some of those kids are coming to some of our events. They tie into things like Reverb and, and different things like that. <clears throat> Here's a picture of Luke and Aaron. We worked with them in South Africa in our years when we were in South Africa uh, Luke is out in Montana now, working with some natives, uh, Native um, Americans. Uh, sorry, Native Americans. And uh, he's starting a church out there. But he believed that he just wasn't meeting enough young people. And he, you know, Luke, is a different kind of guy. I mean, he just uh, has to be around people like all the time. He's just one of those kind of people. He gets nervous if he's not around enough people. But he wasn't meeting enough young people, so he became a bus driver. And guess what? Some of those people are coming to his youth group. And then here's Tim. Tim is also down by the state line. Uh, Tim became a football coach for the local school system. Now, he didn't become a football coach in the varsity, where you get a lot of recognition. Or even in the JV, you know, where you kind of known a little bit. He's the 8th grade football coach. Because he wanted to meet a bunch of young guys. And guess what? Some of them are coming to his youth group. All right? Just getting out there. Just doing stuff. You know, being in the community. There's different ways to be in community. As a group. Uh, if somebody is, uh, you know, they they have some kind of illness or something like that, and they're shut down for a while, you would get together a list of people to bring meals for a week to them, right? Or something like that. Well, you know, you all have people that you call neighbors. What if one of your neighbors that doesn't come to the church has that same kind of problem? What if you're the one that talked to all the neighbors around there and said, hey, every day for a week, let's bring them dinner because they're having this illness or this problem or whatever. What if you organize that? Well... Pretty soon, people would say, why are you doing this? It's an open door to say, because Jesus Christ lives in my heart, and I want to bring order out of this chaos, and I want to help people, and here is what Jesus Christ represents to me. That kind of thing. Do the same for for other people. It's just one example. Volunteer at the library. Be a little league coach. Uh, Work at the homeless shelter with the idea that eventually you're going to build a relationship where you can share the gospel there. Um, Do it all with the gospel in mind. Be creative. Develop relationships with all people. Actually, uh, I was looking at this. Rachel is in this picture. See the girl with the white pants and the pink top? Just that way, there's a girl with a hat on. That's Rachel. Uh, That was 2010. So a little while ago. Um, I didn't plan that. I, just, I was looking at it this morning, and I noticed that, so I just thought I'd bring that out. But cultural isolation is robbing us of our relationships, right? If we can't get out and we can't talk to people, uh, it's difficult to talk to people with masks on, different things like that. That's hurting our relationships, but relationships are what we're all about. Relationships are how we can uh, get into somebody's life and bring order out of that chaos, By bringing God's word into them and helping them realize Jesus Christ is there to save them and Jesus Christ is there to help them through the tough times that they have. A lack of relational activity robs us of our opportunity to show God's likeness to other people. I mean, if we can't get out or if we don't get out, okay, because it's not going to be can't forever, eventually we're going to get back out. right? If we don't get out, we don't have the opportunity to show God's likeness to other people. We don't have the opportunity to rub off on them. We have to get out there. We have to let our theology drive our philosophy to say, hey, even though I don't feel like it, maybe today I need to get out there and talk to some people. Just about anything. People without God's positioning system need help with life on earth and beyond. A lot of the people that you run into every day, they're just... They don't have any hope for eternity because they don't know Jesus Christ. And we need to be aware of that 24-7. So when philosophy fails to follow theology, we all lose. As I tried to explain this morning, our philosophy has to be guided by theology, has to be guided by God's Word, by God's intents and purposes, the way he made us in the first place. We're born to be in community. We thrive in community. Maybe people do drive us crazy. But in Christ, that's because of sin. In Christ, they don't have to. So subdue your world. Conquer it in a way uh, that they will want to be tamed by God's goodness. Bring order from chaos. Love God. Spend time with God and emulate him. And so, that's what we have for today. I want to encourage you that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you haven't experienced that saving grace, the grace of God that brings salvation, the the grace that God, who demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were sinners, he died for us, he died for our sins. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's very simple. You can do it right now in the seat where you're sitting. You can just close your eyes and you can pray something like, Dear Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're God. I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry and I want you to help me. I want to be yours. Something like that. Please save me when I die. That's all you have to do. Believe and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. If you're here today and you know that you're saved, but you don't really know how to be that theologically guided person that's going to impact other people's lives, it's just a matter of coming closer to him, learning his word, following it, making the application in your life, and, and embracing the fact that God has said before he even made the first man what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to impact the people around us. We're his image and likeness. And if you want to commit to doing that, it's just as simple. Just just bow your head and pray. Dear Lord, I know that I'm not measuring up in this area, and I want to. Please teach me, guide me, help me. Maybe you'll contact your pastor. Um, Maybe you'll contact somebody that you trust that, that knows God's Word to help you disciple through that. But I would urge you to make some sort of a decision today based on what you heard from God's Word and how you can take the next step from wherever you are towards God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day, and we pray that as we uh, live, that we would learn to let you guide what we do, that we would learn to live by your word in a world that doesn't care about your word, so that we can stand out and so that we can impact people's lives, bring the weight of your glory into their lives, Lord, because we're living so close to you. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.